You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email us, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. We got Jacob up there on the uh, the border of enemy territory right on the, the Minnesota line and out here ready to talk some uh, talk some Packers today, get ready for this big Chiefs game. Tim, how you doing this morning, man? Feeling good, feeling great. Happy to be here. Deal, How you guys man. doing? Got got the diesel in the cup, ready to go. Oh yeah, dude. We got plenty of diesel this morning, Jacob. You, what are you sipping on this morning, Jacob? You got anything in the cup over there? It's just some some really black, strong, very disgusting, cheap coffee. Hey, there yeah. it is. That's what we refer to as whatever. Hey, whatever gets the motor revving. You know what I'm saying? I gotta right. tell you, I I didn't expect that theme song. When we went live, I oh yeah, I heard that. I was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> do I even know these guys?" <laughs> yeah, gonna bop it around. That's very. That's that's yeah. That's a good morning tune. Get you up and going. Yeah, absolutely. Some people refer to it as something else, but that's okay. I think it works for the show. But here we go with the first super chat. <laughs> Nick McSwain with super chat. Appreciate you, buddy, supporting the uh, stream here. He says Mike Wall said the Chiefs like the force. The Chiefs like to force opposing offense to single block Chris Jones. How do they do that, and how could the Packers prevent them from doing it? Well, there's a couple of different ways. I seen them do it last year, Nick. I didn't get a chance to watch much of their tape this week, um, but typically what you do with an interior and interior defensive lineman that can play multiple positions, and this is what I'm referring to all the time when I say the Packers need to go get that guy. They need to go get that interior defensive lineman that can play nose. He can play one. He can play three. He can play five. Chris Jones last year, especially in the playoff running down the stretch, if I remember correctly, I had had a couple of daddy sodas on a cruise watching the Super Bowl on a cruise in this big, you know, like little party room they had set up kind of on the edge of the ship. And I remember, you know, the screen being a little blurry. I ain't going to lie to you. And I looked over to the side and I went, is that Chris Jones in a non-tech? What is he doing? Like, like they were doing that. They were putting him out there in the in the five, the seven, and the nine. So there's a couple different ways you can do it. The easiest way, in my opinion, especially when you're in the nickel the majority of the time, is to play a four eye. And what I mean by four eye is, for those of you who don't know, when you're talking about defensive lineman technique, if you line up directly over the center, that's a zero. Directly over the guards is a two. Directly over the uh, tackle is a four. Okay, so. Uh, if you're directly over those offensive linemen, it's zero, two, four, right? If you're in the gaps in between, it turns to odd numbers. So in between the guard and the center would be a one tech, right? Well, if you want to get really, really specific, which the NFL does, they also have eye techniques, which basically means you're on the inside shoulder of that tech. So uh, when I say four eye, it means the inside shoulder of the tackle. 
And when you do that in conjunction with the wide nine that's out wide, you're forcing the tackle to fan out and cut and block the wide nine. And you're on the inside shoulder of the tackle. So you drive right into the guard. You're taking the center out of the equation, being able to block that four eye. Now, some people, in some cases, you know, you'll see us do this with Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt from time to time. It leaves you very vulnerable up the middle, but in passing situations, who cares, right? So hopefully that answers your question there. Um, I imagine that's what Mike is talking about. Now, there's other ways that you can get him freed up on a single block or even a free run if you're doing stunts, TTs, ETs, that type of thing. But uh, for the most part, that's how I've seen NFL defensive linemen do that. And, again, thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. We appreciate you. Um, before we kind of dive into the chat as I go to comb through it here, Tim, is there anything on your mind, Jacob, same same question, anything y'all wanted to hit on this morning where you're like, hey, you know what, this has been at the forefront of my mind going into this game. Has anything come to mind at all, Tim? Um, no, just other than, uh, hoping the distractions don't get the best of us. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of extra going on this weekend and it goes without saying. So just hopefully our guys are focused and ready, um, for, for Kansas city, man. You know, I just really hope our heads are, are focused on football and, uh, and I think they are, but, um, I guess that's just what's been on my brain lately. You know, this is, um, uh, you know, we talked about it. If we're going to catch an L, this would be the game to do it. I, I get that. But I'm of the mentality that we need to keep this win streak going. You know, we finally got two wins in a row. Uh, we proved that we could do that. And I just hope the guys are all football and not uh, too much, too much craziness. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, the Mrs. Green in the house says, look at all these handsome devils. I thought I was the only one that used that term. <laughs> handsome devils, early talking Packers, OG crew back in the house. Go Pack Go. I appreciate you, Mrs. Green up in here. You know that lady. Yeah, you do. You do. Making sure that uh, we're not saying anything inappropriate. She's going to come out and tell Tim, <laughs> cut it out. Cut it out. We appreciate you tuning in, though, for sure. Maybe hey, can I get some more coffee, sweetheart? Thank you. I, can I get a <laughs> coffee run? You can't get in trouble. <laughs> Jacob, what do you want to hit on first First and foremost? Is anything at the forefront of your mind? If not, we got a whole show lined up, but I just wanted sure. to kind there of – um, This morning I got up and tried to knock the dust off the old computer, and I think it's working out, so that's cool. But I was looking at, you know, all the clickbait articles and just the overall consensus on Twitter and on YouTube and all these things, and people are just – you know, if you were to ask him, it seems like Patrick Mahomes and Love are on just complete opposite spectrums of the whole world. And when I looked at their their stats, it was just kind of a little bit eye-popping. Mahomes is 280 out of 411 for 2,900 yards, basically 21 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Love is 225 for 372, 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. I mean, that's pretty, pretty I mean, that does not have a large leg up on him in the stat category. It is a little disparaging or, or, I guess, unique to see, though, that there is a big difference in their PFF comparison. I mean, they got basically Mahomes at 89.1 in an elite level. They have Love at 74.1. Passer rating clean. Uh, Mahomes is at 112.6. Love's at 93.8. What I thought was really cool, the passer rating under pressure, Mahomes is a 60.8, and Love is actually rated at a 69. Um, so there is, wow. I mean, it's, it's cool. I mean, you watch a lot of people focus strictly on like his arm release and the sidearm and that kind of stuff. And honestly, it kind of drives me nuts because sometimes I'm like, just throw the ball normal, just throw it normal. But I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think this game is too much for us. If anything, like Tim talks about it, they're just getting in their head with all this other off the field nonsense. I mean, it feels like a high school game. I'm going to say I watched Matt LaFleur again, and I, I have not watched a press conference, guys. I'm going to 
like I've said, I've been out of the game for about three weeks, solid three weeks. So I watched, I watched Matt LaFleur this morning and I like three minutes in, I'm like, I, sh- I don't know why it's a personal thing. Now I just have to admit it. I just personally can't stand the guy. And I don't know what <laughs> he's saying all the right things. He's starting to get chummy with the media. And I think it's better. Like he seems like he's settling in and that he's, that his team's coming together. So I like that. It's just, I don't know why they were asking him about Taylor Swift and he was getting all snarky. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, no one is for everyone. Right. Um, and I've been pretty vocal that I personally, I like Matt. Um, I wish he approached it a little bit different, but you know, the one thing you can't do is you can't be a fraud, right? You can't, you can't be fake going in there. Cause you know, it was what, uh, no John Madden quote where he said, you know, one thing you can't be is a phony cause they're going to, they're going to read your phone. And once, once they think that you're faking who you're trying to be, You'll lose the whole locker room. You'll lose the whole team. I don't think Matt really cares what people think in that regard. So that's a good thing. But there's times I find myself going, man, can't you just have a little more of a like a, a little grit in your rear? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't want him fired or anything. Like, I just right, right. It's just I just he, but I, I don't know why. Every I got to be real, though, man. When when Mike McCarthy was here, I was going, how how does he expect these guys to follow him when he's obviously not staying in shape himself? Like, you know, there's things like that that come across my mind, not to be overly critical of people. But um, when you read a bunch of leadership books, all those flaws start to pop out in other people. But then you got to take a step back, check your ego. I know this, this is me talking about me. I have to step back and go, OK. My life is nowhere near as successful as theirs. Maybe they're doing something that I haven't thought of. You know what I'm saying? So. Anyway, uh, I like this right here. Mrs. Green said, get your own drinks, buddy. <laughs> Which is funny, though. Tim did magically pop up with another cup of drink. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going to get you in trouble. We're both going to get in trouble. Fish in the chat says, looking for that big game from Myers. Uh, wants to show that the Packers were right for taking him over Creed Humphrey. I didn't even think about that dead fish, Tim. That's a good, that's a good comment there, man. You're going to have both centers on display. Everyone has compared – Josh Myers to Creed Humphrey, right? This entire time. I think we would all agree we would rather have Creed Humphrey than Josh Myers, but this is an opportunity for Josh Myers to go out there and, and show that he, uh, he, you know, he belongs and he deserves uh, that, you know, starting center status, if you will, or maybe top five center status in the league uh, as he goes up against Creed Humphrey, man, that's going to be a really, really cool. There's storylines everywhere, Tim. Yeah. All yeah, for sure. And Josh, Josh Myers has been playing better football. Um, like a lot of the Packers the past couple of weeks. Uh, we went over that um, uh, Baldy's breakdowns last week. Um, he had an absolute, perfectly executed pull block um, in our scheme, and I got to think we're going to pepper some of that in against Kansas City and uh, Chris Jones. So, you know, I think the best thing Josh Myers has been doing and can can continue to do is, you know, he he spoke to Larry McCarron pregame uh, last week about the little things. And not making you know the mistakes and doing the little things right. And I think at this point, if if Josh Myers can continue to just not be a liability at center, uh, we're going to be in a better uh, position to win. You know, do the small things. We haven't seen bad snaps recently, which is good. Knock on wood. Um, and yeah, believe it or not, even him, you know, pulling out over there across the edge and you know containing the edge on on some of these plays, you know we talked early in the year about asking guys to do too much. Um, Clearly they believe he can do this. And on occasion he has. So if he's going to execute some of these blocks and uh, you know, help with setting protections, maybe a little bit better 
and continues to play the way he has, I'm okay with Josh Myers. You know, um, right. honestly, there there's probably a, a change I'd rather see at right guard if we're talking about our our offensive line and who we'd rather see out there. Um, so um, yeah, I'm looking for a big game from from Josh too, and um, big game for him means mistake free football, right? I, I don't think any of us expects him to be the best center in the National Football League. But um, if you can keep those mistakes minimal and, and, you know, limit those bad reps, I think we'll be all right. No, I think it's a, it's a good point. Go ahead, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to take a minute. If, I know it's, it's stupid and silly, but to name your kid Creed nowadays, that means that either you had to have really liked the band or you named him after Creed Bratton from The Office. Hey, which I'm, cool. I'm cool with the latter, man. Creed I is my guy. It. You got to be a little out there. Not not Apollo Creed, not the not the boxer okay. Creed. No, that's that'd be good. But why not just go with Apollo? That's just way cooler. I, I'm with you, Jacob. I, it's clearly after the band, right? I mean, <laughs> did his did his parents meet at a Creed concert or something? That could be it. Maybe he was conceived. <laughs> we, we know that's one of Jacob's all time favorite bands, right? For yeah, sure. Nickelback Creed. <laughs> yeah, I can just hear it now. Boy, are you? Are you named after what is it, Scott Stapp? Is that his name, Scott Stapp? Are you named after Scott Stapp and Creed? You call me you want me. There you go. Oh, Let's see what we got here else in the chat. And a great question, Dead Fish. You know, the way I'm looking at that with Myers, um, like I said, I think it's a platform. I think it's a stage for him to go out there and perform. Like many people pointed out in the chat, he has been playing better here lately. When I talked to Mike Wall earlier in the year, he said, Listen, Clayton, he's an average, he's an average offensive lineman. It's not like he's horrible, okay? He's an average offensive lineman. I think we would all agree, and Mike would too, you don't want to spend your second-round pick on an average offensive lineman, right? So he's definitely underperformed, but, hey, maybe he could put it together. The one thing I like about Josh Myers, one of the things I like, I shouldn't say the one thing, one of the things I like is his build, right? It's so rare you get a center that big, and that's an advantage. It is, as long as it doesn't affect how you play the center position. I don't think that's the case, but – uh I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup for sure. It's funny they're they're not going up against each other, but people are going to be watching that. At least the diehards will be watching that. There's no doubt. Great question, though, man. Appreciate it. Let's see. Chad Inc. in the house says their stats are comparable for sure. If Love didn't uh, didn't wake people up on Thanksgiving, he's going to definitely wake people up on Sunday night. It's another opportunity, Chad. There's no doubt about it, man. If he comes in there and he has a similar performance as he had in Detroit, and again. Detroit's defense is the weak spot of their team, all right? There's, let's make no two ways about it. You hear Aiden Hutchinson, you think, oh, they they must be great on defense. They're not a very good defense. The Chiefs have a top, a legit top three, top five defense, right? So it's going to be a much, much better test for uh, Jordan Love on Sunday night, and it's just another another piece of the puzzle that we're going to be able to put into place, right? That's what I'm excited about seeing for sure. Uh, let's see, Super Chat here from Lucky said, can we tie the NFL record of 12 receivers – Per game, I'm not sure what you mean there, Lucky. Uh, specify for me. Is he talking about how many receivers catch a ball or are targeted? Maybe you think, Jacob. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I can come up with. Um, if that's the case, I mean, I didn't know that was the record. That's pretty wild, though. I know this under Matt Lafleur. Even last year, I pointed it out that Aaron Rodgers was hitting so many different receivers, and and of course the Aaron Rodgers haters came at me and were like, "Shut up! Stop trying to make it sound like he's playing good." I'm just saying, like they're hitting a lot of different receivers. Calm down, but. Uh, you've seen it this year, too. That must be something within Matt LaFleur's scheme that, that definitely applies. You know, it's like, hey, next man up, let's get a heavy rotation going in. Don't be afraid to get every any and everyone involved. But if that's what he's referring to there, though, as far as uh, tying the record, I don't know, man. I guess it's possible. I mean, think about it. You've got – well, we got five receivers active typically on game day. Am I thinking right? Five receivers 
probably three tight ends, right? So that's eight. Uh, you know, at least at least three running backs, maybe just two. So that'd be ten. I don't know. That's that's a tough one to break out there, boys. What do you think, Tim? You think they get a shot at breaking that if that's what he's talking about? And that I is don't know about I don't know about breaking that, but um, I certainly agree with the sentiment. You know, look, these are two offenses that spread the ball around. Kansas City is the same way. I mean, we looked at those numbers, um, and certain guys are going to get more targets than others. You have your your favorites or your you know your high output players, but um, you know I think that's going to be a key too. You know, I don't I don't see uh, necessarily one bona fide you know star. You know, we if we're going to beat the Chiefs in this defense, we do. We we got to get touches across the board and uh, utilize this talent that we have. So I can totally see spreading the ball around for sure. I would love to see that. You know, we 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 saw success with our offense the instant that we stopped force feeding Christian Watson. That I mean, we can we can almost go back and see that correlation. That um, the more you know, Jay Love stands in there and gets through his reads and um, you know is looking. Uh, to play within the scheme and and hit guys that are schemed open rather than looking for scoot, you know, and keyholing and zeroing in on him, you know, spreading the ball around is is bringing us success. I mean, I look at the catches Malik Heath had against Detroit, and uh, you know, were they game tilters? No, but they were drive extenders, and they were they were perfect when we needed them. Um, you know, the more you can spread that ball around, get Tucker Craft involved, you know, tight ends, running backs, receivers. That's going to bode well for our offense. Um, if we find ourselves forcing balls to Romeo or, you know, Christian Watson, that kind of thing, that's when we can kind of sputter. You know, you can't you can't get all the wheels turning. You, you want all the wheels turning. So, uh, yeah, I don't know about tying the record or breaking the record, but hopefully they spread the ball around. Yeah, I think the number I'm I'm kind of coming up with is eight or nine is what yeah. I think it'll be. So I would have to answer no there, Jacob. You got anything to add to that, Bob? Yeah, it'll be tough to get up there. I mean, I we'll get into it, I'm sure, in a little bit here, but I don't even know if we have enough receivers for people to catch the ball. I mean, for ripe sakes, everybody's getting hurt. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. Omer in the chat says, our pass rush is, has to outplay theirs for sure. Hopefully they look like they did last week. Yeah, I would like to see them pin their ears back for sure. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, Bleeding Green and Ghost says, oh, Taylor Swift, I'm over it. Let me know when Megadeth shows up to Lambo. <laughs> much, I don't listen to much Taylor Swift. Uh, oh, my God. You guys are awesome. Megadeth. I haven't heard that since I was in high school, bro. Megadeth was the rage in the 90s. <laughs> Jacob, you, you, get, you got a little Megadeth over there, bro? Uh, I know what it is, but I never got into it. I don't know why. I was into, like, a lot of high – I loved System of a Down when I was a kid. That was my jam. Got it. Got it. I had everything, bro. I, I literally had – I had Merle Haggard next to ACDC, next to Kenny Chesney, next to Tupac in the in the CD <laughs> changer, bro. I, I listened to everything. Man, why didn't they get together and do a song? That would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have brung the world together for sure. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Wright in the chat says, Matt LaFleur is easy on the eyes. I, I, I remember when they hired him. Oh, my God. Packers Twitter went crazy, bro. The girls were nuts. It was just nothing but the heart eyes everywhere emoji, you know? So uh, you're not, you're not alone there, Jennifer. Not that I agree. I'm just saying that other people, you, you, <laughs> got, you got Mrs. Green said, we'll have to send Jacob a collector's box set of creeds greatest hits for Christmas. She, she does that. I'm sending Tim that Taylor Swift anthology. I'm telling you, <laughs> like we said, when you said we got to get him a fat head, I looked it up. We, it's easy. We can get him. Taylor Swift has like you can get cardboard <laughs> cutouts and stuff. Life Tell him, Tim, stop playing with you, man. You know what I mean? 
Although I will say, watching Taylor Swift dance, I bet you the cardboard cutout would do just as well. There it is. Burn. That's what I'm here for. There we go, Jacob. <laughs> dance is like a wet piece of plywood. <laughs> Paul Robertson says Jacob has the Dallas Cowboys Creed halftime performance saved on his computer. I don't know why oh. I came back to this show. That might be is that why you had com- computer issues, Jacob? <laughs> Self welcome, welcome back, Jacob. Welcome back, my man. Uh Mox says Carl Brooks, two more sacks on Sunday. Carl Brooks is is doing things that not many people have done. Um, you know, he's a couple, what was it last week? He was the, if I remember correctly, the top graded interior defensive line in the entire NFL. Like it's just absolutely wild, man. Gotta get him more snaps. And you're seeing it increase. It went from about 12 to 15 to cracking 15 and then up to 30. I think they're going to get them more and more involved. They need to, they need to stop looking at those, you know, the, the, the rounds that they took the picks, you know, took the players in, forget those. Once, once you're on a team, remove that draft pick status and play the best players. Of course I say that, but we all know there's going to be a young fella by the name of Darnell Savage that'll probably get on the field at some point. But um, Mrs. Green says Mahomes has never played at Lambeau. And he said, quote, if you love football, you love Lambeau Field. Respect. That is really cool. I like Pat Mahomes personally. I think he is uh, he's one of those players that as he came along, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an old school type person. So, you know, I'm thinking of the great quarterbacks that have kind of come before him. Right. You know, I, I remember Steve McNair was real big down here in Tennessee, obviously, um, during his time, uh, you know, rest in peace. Um, you had people like, uh, you know, even Randall Cunningham back in the day was was kind of that, you know, playing on the fly, kind of like how Pat Mahomes does. Obviously, Mike Vick, before he started fighting dogs, I'm not saying I support that. I'm just saying Mike Vick was great on the football field, right? You got to say these things, Jacob. You'll get roasted if you don't, man. <laughs> no, no, <it's> just, <laughs> and then we, we come out of this era where it was far, right, and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and all these great Aaron Rodgers' careers winding down. You're looking for those quarterbacks to kind of, embrace that role of the future of the NFL. And I think Pat Mahomes does that pretty good. I do. So uh, absolutely. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So us cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, he can just keep from getting roasted with his wife running her mouth. But she settled down a lot, I believe. Uh, that got ugly last year, for sure. Um, let's do this. Let's look ahead to the Week 13 slate. It's going to be hard for you guys to see. I'm going to read it off. If you got any questions, just ask me. These are the games that I circled that I feel like we need to keep an eye on to help the Packers. There's a couple caveats here that we're going to kind of hit on. Um, obviously, Dallas took care of business against Seattle. Um, Atlanta at the New York Jets. Some people are saying, no, we, we want Atlanta to win the division. Where we're at right now at this point, you know, with five, six games left for, you know, for pretty much every team, what I'm looking at is I want to make sure the tiebreaker doesn't even apply. Once we get to the point where the tiebreaker applies, we will become Falcon fans. But, yes, if you had to choose, we want the Falcons to win the South over the Saints because we have the tiebreaker over the Saints, right? Whichever team doesn't win that division, whichever team refuses to accept that soft division championship, uh, then we want that tiebreaker. But as it sits right now, why don't we finish a game with one more win ahead of both of those teams? We ain't got to worry about the tiebreaker. So for that to happen, you want the Jets to somehow, some way beat the Falcons at the Meadowlands. That's a one o'clock kickoff. Then you got Detroit at New Orleans. Obviously, you want Detroit to knock off New Orleans because um, they're also competing there for the uh, uh, for that one of those final wild card spots with Atlanta. That's going to be a one o'clock kickoff down there in New Orleans. And then you got Carolina at Tampa in the four o'clock slot. That's going to be down in Florida. You want Carolina, obviously, to beat Tampa Bay. They're one of the teams that's just behind the Packers in the standings for one of those final wild card spots. And then, of course, Cleveland at the L.A. Rams. That's a 425 kickoff. Um, definitely want Cleveland to beat L.A. because they're just behind the Packers as well. So anything that you guys disagree with there? Now, some immediately people, I know O'Mare is going to say, no, we, we still got a shot at the division. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. But the percentage chance of us winning the division is much lower than us making a wild card spot. So the way I'm seeing it right now, I would much rather Detroit be New Orleans and keep them off our back, right? And that way we can stay a game ahead of both them and Atlanta. That's just how I see it. But, uh, Tim, what do you think, man? Anything stick out to you there? Any games you're interested in watching? Um, I don't know about interested in watching, <laughs> especially that Carolina-Tampa Bay game. Um, I don't know. We talked about – I mean, we've got to play both of those teams here coming up. Uh, we talked about, you know, the Tampa Bay game being one of those we were kind of concerned about. Not even concerned, but I, I'll just call it the Baker Mayfield effect, I guess. You know, that guy is a, is a gamer, and you never know. Um, even on a bad team, he can rally the troops and get a dub. But, um, no, I'm with you on this assessment. You know, yeah, at first glance, you know, seeing Detroit circled, going, oh, well, why would we want them to win? It's like, well – Let's let's play the odds here. Let's play the numbers. Um, it would make sense. I'm with you, Clayton. Keep keep the Saints off our back. Um, that that uh, Jetson and Falcons game looks a uh, little interesting. I think uh, it, that one might be the one to watch. Right? You know that that New York Jet defense against Atlanta's offense mm-hmm. um, might be something to keep an eye on. But uh, no, I'm with you with this this breakdown for sure. Yeah. What about you, uh, Jacob? Yeah. I mean it. It pains me a little bit to try to even cheer for the, the Lions in any capacity, but I guess I do understand that logic. But it, it, I don't know, man. Is it true that Joe Flacco is going to be starting again? 
I believe so, if I understood correctly. I'm a giant Joe Flacco fan. No, you ain't. Dude. I'm serious. Look at his Wikipedia page, pull it up and tell read it and be like, I don't I love this man. I love him. He's one of the strongest arms in the NFL. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Um, hey, he got his money. You talk about peaking at the perfect time, get that huge contract that's Super Bowl winning quarterback as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, that stuff matters, there's no doubt about it. Let's talk about the injury report real quick. Let's hit on this. Um, actually, you know what? Let's hit a quick video. Uh, because this is going to kind of intro the Chiefs game, if you will. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll check this out. It comes from Packers Daily. This is Larry McCarron just kind of talking about Jordan Love, talking about the Chiefs coming into Lambeau. You guys can find this video on Packers.com for free, YouTube for free, um, on Twitter, their Twitter account. They tweeted out, go show them some love, give them a follow, retweeted all that good stuff. Love the work that they do over at Packers Daily. Let's check it out. With the Seahawks loss in Dallas Thursday night, the Packers sit just a half game back from a pair of teams in the wild card standings. But you won't see this team getting caught up in the playoff talk. Absolutely not. You know how we operate. It is about staying in the moment. We got a great opponent coming in here to Lambeau on Sunday night football, another primetime game. We can't look any further than that. Speaking of Sunday night football, this is the first time the Packers will be showcased in that spotlight this season. It also marks the first game of December. Both have been staples of success since Matt LaFleur became head coach. Count them, 15 straight wins in the final month of the calendar year. You can check all the boxes. Sunday night, Packers Chiefs. It has all the elements you're looking for in a marquee matchup. Please welcome your Green Bay Packers. You got the defending Super Bowl champs coming into our house. You know, that's what we want. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a huge game. Um, you know, we definitely need this game, and we're going to give everything we got on Sunday night. Under pressure. He is sacked. Kenny Clark. It's always awesome playing those primetime games, those big games. And, you know, I'm excited for a lot of the young guys. It's their first opportunity in a game like this. Night games in Lambeau are really special, especially when it gets down to November and December. Weather starts turning, starts getting cold, you can really see the breath. So I'm really excited. Everybody gets a little more juiced up. I think the energy is going to be there, you know, obviously from the fans as well. I think it's going to be rocking. It'll be a good environment for us. Watson, touchdown Green Bay Packers! Something like football in Lambeau, they're going to have to go through us, and we're going to go out there and prove it against the defending Super Bowl champs. Got to love seeing Christian Watson turn his season around. Again, guys, go show him some love over at Packers Daily. Uh, excellent video there. Larry McCarron, a national gem. There's no doubt about it. Um, let's see here in the chat real quick. Um, I thought this was cool. Mike said, I'd love to see Carl Brooks at edge more and LVN on the inside more. The problem I have with Carl Brooks being on the edge, it can only happen in the nickel, and the reason being is if you're in the 34 base, you're going to be asking him to cover like – they ask Preston Smith to cover when you get certain looks, right? Carl Brooks has never done that. Preston Smith's pretty much done it his whole career, being able to drop back into coverage. You've seen it under Mike Pettin, all that. Um, he's got a huge wingspan. He's one of those guys that if you can kind of show blitz, get back into coverage, got those long arms that you can bat those balls down. Not that Carl Brooks isn't built similar. It's just he's he's always just been kind of a pass rusher, if you will, and more specifically on the interior, although in college they played him on the edge some too. In an obvious passing situation, Mike, I completely agree. But the problem is, as soon as the second you get him in there, and then they sub back to their base, you go back to their base, and you're going to put him at outside linebacker. 
that's that's where you're going to get a little bit dicey, right? For sure. If you if you think the Joe Barry haters can't stand seeing Preston Smith stand up, wait till Carl Brooks is standing up out there. They're going to lose <laughs> their ever loving mind, no doubt about it. Nick McSwain said, "How is it a half game behind? Did someone tie? You still got some buys that are involved there. If you notice, some teams have played more more games than the other. When is the last bye week, guys? Has it already happened? I mean, uh, you would isn't think it this, isn't it this week? I think it's this week. Don't week. the Bears have a bye? Want to buy the Bills? I think." I think Minnesota does too, don't they, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, I believe so. So that's what it is, Nick. We're finishing up the bye week. So you've got some teams that have played one more game than others. So that's how you get into the half game there for sure. But, uh, yeah, appreciate you asking that. Um, yeah, Bleeding Green and Gold here in the chat uh, said, uh, good answer, Matt LaFleur. They said, you know, are you are you worried about the playoffs? This was his response. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Another game. He didn't say that last part. Though. All right, so everybody calm down. Injury report. Oh, it's a long one. Y'all give me a second here, okay? We're going to remove the ones that don't have a game status because obviously they're good to go. Um, let's talk first and foremost who's out, okay? Aaron Jones is going to be out. That's catching nobody by surprise there. We were thinking he's going to be out at least two weeks. If we thought it was going to be in the four-week range, he would have hit the IR already. So uh, I think they're probably looking at that three-game range, getting him back next week. So with that being said, uh, Aaron Jones is out this game with the knee injury questionable okay i'm sorry doubtful doubtful means there's like a 25 percent chance they'll play so you can pretty much cross it off they're not going to be playing that's eric stokes okay so you can't expect to have him on the field there uh tomorrow night against the chiefs now questionable jire alexander devondre campbell uh you got josiah aguara you got rudy ford you've got Jaden reed robert rochelle darnell savage and dontavian wicks the only one Really, if you, if you were to look at those and say, okay, which one do you think has the least chance to make it to the field? I don't know, man. For me, the one that worries me the most probably would be, and it's not really a worry because of the status and the stature of player he is, is Robert Rochelle. Like, I could see Robert Rochelle, um, you know, not playing. And when you look at the limited participation there too, obviously with uh, with Dontavian Wicks, I'm feeling a lot better about that. They got it listed as a knee. We know the concussion kept them out last week. We need Tay Wicks, Wicks in this game, Tim. We need him out there. Rudy Ford, Jair Alexander, big additions, Devondre Campbell. Again, we've talked about it all week. We'll hit on it again. I want, I want to, actually, let me go to Jacob. I want to get Jacob's take on this. Jacob, we were kind of talking like the defense is playing really good right now, right? Do you think this upsets the card a little bit, getting Jair, Devondre Campbell, these guys back? You know, is there a chance that you, you know, you somehow, some way, they have a little little bit of rust they've got to knock off and the, and the defense takes a step back here? I it's, it's hard to imagine with the stature of those players and how good they are, but what do you think, man? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been very critical of Jair this year for a number of reasons, one being his play, two being the attitude. And uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasant surprise to see the team gelling together. Like I said, I've been really impressed with Valentine and Valentine. Young guys, even like Owens has been stepping up. He had that one game where he just looked like trash. And then the next game he came out and I think he took it personally. I think, what did he have, like nine tackles, that pick six and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'd like to see Rudy Ford come back. I think that I read somewhere that he had one of the lowest passer ratings against him of any safeties in the league at the, at the time. So um, I really do want to see Wicks back, that Don Wicks. And that's that's my guy. I think he's going to continue to grow and be possibly one of the best, best of that draft class. Um, can you guys do me a favor? <clears throat> Who's Robert Rochelle? Can you give me a little, 
Tim, you want to answer that for him? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, special teamer, okay. pretty yeah. much. Uh, I don't think we've seen him get any reps or snaps as a corner. Um, and I know he was a uh, a pretty late addition, right? When did we pick him up a few weeks ago to the practice yeah, squad and then he was elevated? I think it was more or less to bolster the roster to make sure you got enough corners, right? And and more more so even for practice purposes, right? Um, I, I don't think he'll be active on Sunday. If Jair's going to go, Robert Rochelle won't be active. I just don't see it. So um, that's the one I went through. And went, if there's one I had to pick, that would be the one. Let's just let let's let's let him heal up a bit. You know what I'm saying? He did have a great rep though on special teams in that that Lions game, if I remember correct. Um, had mm-hmm. a great tackle on one of the kicks. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the highlight for Robert Rochelle. Um, I think you're right, Clayton. I think he might have been a contingency plan um, for both Jair and Stokes. You know, we didn't we don't know uh, what <clears throat> you know Stokes is looking like going forward. Uh, we, we know he's not going to play tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. You know, these roster spots are a premium here. You know, you've got to make sure you fill out your your squad. But then we also need to know who's you know who we're going to activate on game day. Um, so yeah, I don't think we'll see Robert Rochelle. Um, yeah. And I think most of these questionable players on this list are going to go. The only one I would think maybe would be Josiah DeGuara. Possibly not. He could be a late scratch again, not yeah. because of him, but because of roster space and who who we need. We, you know, we've got um, you know we're down Aaron Jones again, so we're th- a little thinner at running back. Um, we talked about corners, so all these things kind of play play off each other, right? You know, when you're trying to put together your team, who who's going to put pads and a helmet on? You know, you got to be really particular. And DeGuara with that hip, he's been dealing with that hip for well over a month now. And um, I could see him being a scratch uh, in order to make just simply to make room for somebody else. But uh, we'll see, you know. Yeah. Bleeding Green and Gold said Rochelle kept that punt out of the end zone down to the two. So that was him. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So, you know what? That's that's obviously a huge play in that game that was in Detroit, if I remember correctly, Um, you know. Maybe maybe he will be active for special teams purposes, right? And listen, I'm I, you're never going to hear me foo foo special teams ever again in my whole life. I promise you that. I still have flashbacks from two years ago. I'm just telling you right now. Let's uh, let's take that serious. You know what I'm saying? So um, let's see here what else we got real quick. Um, Mike in the chat says, "Hot take. I hope Deguara doesn't play. The offense flowed way better on Thanksgiving without him, in my opinion." You know, it's true. Uh, ben Sims been grading out pretty decent PFF-wise, uh, filling in. Tucker Craft, you know, did his job. PFF disagrees that he's played well, although um, I think that he's one of those players, like you've seen him on the sideline against the Chargers. If he didn't step out of bounds there, everybody's looking at him totally different, right? So, um, yeah, I, I'm again, we talked about DeGuara. He's obviously a locker room leader. The guys love him. You know, Tucker Craft absolutely just raved over how he's – He's been a uh, not just a, uh, a team leader, but a spiritual leader in the locker room, all those things. That stuff definitely matters when you're putting a team together. Um, I would be okay if he didn't play, though. I, I understand what you're saying there, Mike. It seems like his days are kind of numbered in Green Bay, although if he's willing to come back on a, on a minimum-esque you know, uh, type contract, I think they would definitely have him back for depth, team leadership, that type of thing, and, and filling in the pinch. But, he, I mean, he's a hybrid fullback coming out of college, right? And uh, Matt LaFleur has stayed in that vein of the Sean McVay style of this offense rather than the Kyle Shanahan, where we're using more 11 personnel than 21. So um, just kind of doesn't fit what, what LaFleur wants to do. You know, I think it's a player that probably Goody fell in love with, and and uh, LaFleur's tried to fit a square peg in a round hole and him wanting to do 11 and all these uh, these nasty yep. 11 condensed. So. 
probably why um, Shanahan's got a, a true fullback over there in uh, San Francisco as well. And they're not they're not uh, screwing around with, you know, tight end hybrid type of guys. They've got tight ends and then they've got themselves, you know, probably the fullback, the the fullback in the National Football League and uh, Kyle Juszczyk. So, um, yeah, you're right. It's just a similar scheme, but different approaches. Right. Yeah, definitely. Jacob, what do you think? Can't try to tell us, man. Did you guys have, uh, by chance, uh, I can't remember, was it the blocked extra point or whatever? Did you look at that? Uh, who was responsible for letting that guy come off the edge? Yeah, yeah, oh, I was pretty sure that was Guevara, wasn't it? Sure he was. Whiffed on it. I mean, like, looked like he didn't even. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I still got the jersey up. Cat couldn't hold me down. You know, he doesn't tell me how to live. So <laughs> I'm going to keep that thing because I, I want him. I'm pulling for him. I uh, we, we spoke with his father, didn't we, on the podcast at one point? Um, we didn't, yeah, but so I think uh, I think JJ did. Right. I mean, that was JJ, yeah. um, just seemed like a really nice family, a great guy. So um, I, I'm still pulling for him. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, it's just one of those things, dude. He, uh, I don't know. It, you know, he's he's underperforming. It's a third round pick. You know, if we draft him in the fifth or sixth round, I'd be like, hey, man, hey, it is what it is. But those, you know, third round picks, boys. Whew, you don't need me to tell you. Uh, that's for sure. Let's see here in the chat. We got Mock in here who uh, keeps it real simple and just simply says, Simone Biles versus Taylor Swift spotted cow chug off tomorrow night. Book it. I don't listen too much Taylor Swift. Um, You know, it is pretty wild that Simone Biles hasn't gotten more love, but Taylor Swift is the talking point. I mean, girl got a gold medal or two, don't she? Like, national, I don't know if we should say hero, but just uh, uh, definitely someone we, uh, the youth looks up to in this country, right? Married to champion. She's an absolute champion, right? Are you saying Taylor Swift isn't a champion, Tim? No, I'm, I'm, well, technically, no, she's not. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) We like champions. We like champions here in Titletown. Yeah. Uh, I know this, man. Uh, The Swifties are going to come after this show if they know we exist. I expect them to show up knocking on the door any second, man. All right, so we hit the injury report. Another quick uh, clip I want to show you guys. This is from the McAfee Show. Um, really cool. Uh, it's just real quick, two-minute clip. Ty Schmidt, you know, big Packer fan, asked Lombardi, Michael Lombardi on the McAfee Show, what he thinks about Jordan Love and the Packers in general. Just like I said, just a quick response. I thought it was cool, some of the things that, that Michael Lombardi hit on. Listen, I understand some people don't like Michael Lombardi. I've read all of his books, well, two of his books. Um, they're absolutely awesome. This is a guy who's – who's basically been within the organization of three Super Bowl winners. Uh, he was a GM in Cleveland for a year, kind of the bridging the gap uh, between regimes, if you will. Uh, he's a guy who studied under Bill Walsh. I mention these things because people like to foo-foo his opinion. Listen, he's very brash. He's kind of rude. He'll tell you I'm rude because I'm Italian, right? That's what he always says. Um, it's just kind of how he is. It's in, it's in his blood. Um, but he's a guy who's seen a lot of football. He knows a lot of football. And I'm just telling you right now, if you haven't read his books, you should pick it up. The one is uh, Gridiron Genius is absolutely phenomenal. He studied under Al Davis. He studied, studied under Bill Walsh. He got to drive Bill Walsh from town to town doing scouting, things like that. Um, obviously, he worked hand-in-hand with Bill Belichick. They're close friends. Uh, I'm sorry, you don't get to that level of football and not know what the hell you're talking about. So it's hard for me to agree with the random fan who doesn't have a profile pic, doesn't use his real name on Twitter telling me that Michael Lombardi is trash. But uh, here is his take on the Green Bay Packers. 
Schmidt. Lombo, what about Sunday night, Chiefs-Packers? Do you think last week after the Chiefs kind of broke out of their rut and looked pretty good in the second half that they've kind of bucked that trend that they can't score in the second half? And on, on the other side, Packers have looked much better over the last four weeks. Do you think Jordan Love has done enough um, that they are comfortable with him kind of going into the future? The, obviously, that young offense has matured quite a bit over the last several weeks. How do you see Sunday night shaking out? Well, I think the Packers have done a really good job with their offensive line pass protection, and Love's done a good job improving his his completion percentage and his accuracy, especially against man coverage. When Detroit tried to really clamp the receivers down, they couldn't win one-on-one on the outside. Green Bay did a great job of winning the one-on-one matchups, you know, in terms of, of giving the quarterback a chance to make the throw. But remember, in the second half, it was really Detroit not being able to convert fourth downs or going for it on fourth down. It set up the it set up the the Packers' best only score in the second half. So I think this is a different challenge. Kansas City can rush. Kansas City can play really good man to man defense. So I think they're going to learn a lot about Love's future on Sunday night in Green Bay. I really do. I think they're going to give out Vince Lombardi, his grandson John Lombardi, is going to be there at the oh, game to accept right. his Hall of Fame oh. ring. So it's going to be. It's going to be a tremendous celebration for him and his family. So there'll be a lot of motivation left in that. If we could only get Jack Benici's name up on the Wall of Fame, that yeah. would be better. But I, I think it'll, I think it'll be a great game. I worry about Green Bay being able to protect Green Bay, being able to handle the Chiefs, especially the way Rice has played. Can they cover in the back end? They need Alexander. I think it's a close game. I don't know why the line six. I really don't. But the Chiefs seem to always play well in these situations. All right. So, you know, a couple things there to break down. First of all, he's talking about the pass protection being good. We're going to talk about Elton Jenkins here in a second. John Lombardi is one of Vince's uh, grandsons, right? And he he actually – first of all, somebody asked in the chat here, Mike asked, is he related to Vince? He is not. He is not. But he, like he said, growing up in New York and having a last name Lombardi, it was hard not to be interested in football, right? Um, but, yeah, they are not related uh, in any way. John Lombardi is going to be accepting some kind of, I think they're rings or something, some kind of ring ceremony they're going to be doing at Lambeau Sunday night, which is really cool. John Lombardi, actually, if I understand correctly, owns the Lombardi Beer Company. So he makes beer, all right? That's, that's kind of what he does. Joe Lombardi is one of Vince's grandsons that actually coaches in the league. I think he was most recently, I can't remember if he was out in LA or in Vegas, but he was with the saints for a while. He's an offensive type coach, offensive coordinator, you know, offensive specials coach, whatever. Um, so they got guys in and around the game that are within the, uh, the team. I was going to try to find an NFL films clip where you can see Vince holding one of them. And I think it was, I think it was John, it could have been Joe, but he said, look at Big John here like that and was like, you know, bouncing him around really cool. Uh, they were talking about how the media would come over to Vince's house after the games in Green Bay and get together and have drinks in their basement where he had a bar set up and all that. But uh, anyway, pretty cool stuff there. Back to football. Um, pass protection. Like we said, Tim, this is a stage for Jordan Love to take that next step, man. Everybody's going to be watching this game. It's going to be a top five ratings game of the regular season. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And in the right smack in the middle of this primetime stretch for this young team, you know, I mean, Thanksgiving Day football, Sunday night football, followed up by a Monday night football game. Um, this is the uh, this is the meat and potatoes part of our season here. And, uh, you know, we are we're going to get a really good look 
at what the future is going to look like for uh, for the Packers. This is going to be Jay Money's biggest test. Um, you know how he's processing the game. I mean, put it this way: that's that's what we're going to see. If if the line can't hold up against the Chiefs' rush, we're going to see just how great Jay Money is uh, with his feet and uh, scanning down the field. We're also going to see how well our young receivers can come back to the ball, find a place to sit down and get open. Uh, when a play does break down, you know, you don't want to assume it's going to break down, but you want to be ready when it does. And uh, that's what the greats do. You know, they they find a way to succeed even when a play is busted or maybe we don't, you know, you talk about the hat count all the time. Maybe we, we have an unfavorable hat count, but, you know, a step up or out of the pocket can extend a play long enough to, you know, hit a guy that's, you know, maybe broke his route, but found a place to get open. These are the things we're going to have to do because, you know, Lombardi's right there. You know, what he just said is, you know, Kansas City tends to play really well in these type of situations. They are uh, no stranger to primetime football in big moments, Um, you know, but uh, I do. I think uh, this is going to be a good look at what we can expect going forward um, from Jordan Love and this Packers offense. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think – there, I don't know if there's pregame jitters, but there's definitely a lot of pregame hype going into this. And, you know, I think it's going to be important for um, the guys to, to try and keep that hype and that intensity throughout the game. We've seen this happen before at Lambeau Field where we come out really strong early and then we kind of just sputter and disappear. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but, yeah, man, this this uh, Kansas City Chiefs defense is going to be is going to be gunning for uh, for us and. um I just want to see the young guys respond. Definitely. Jacob, what do you think, Bob? Yeah, I mean, kind of to bounce off of what Tim just said there, I think it's important. We saw how well the team does when we get a fast start because this year has been – the first couple quarters have been like pulling teeth, for especially the beginning of the season. You yeah. look at that Lions game, I mean, right out the gate, boom, hit to Watson, that kind of set the tempo of the whole game. And at that point, we just kind of went off and like – didn't we get up by – almost three scores at one point in that game or something mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, I just, and then to maintain that, you know, like Tim's talking about, not just come out. I hope that LaFleur seems like he's started to to get some, to put some fire under these guys and they're starting to have a little pride. I, I thought it was, um, yeah, PFF had the overall power ranking for the Chiefs as their second overall, but I was really surprised the Packers are 13th in their eyes. Um, I was, I'm a little shocked to see that the defense is ranked 10th for um for kansas city that's pretty impressive but they just i don't know they don't scare me um i think i saw somewhere in the chat somebody just said the chiefs are beatable and i just i feel like that's the key they, they just are i mean it sounds like maybe not a big deal if jarek mckinnon doesn't play i think that's a kind of a low-key big part of their offense the guy's really shifty i hated playing against him when he was a viking because he just was like that third down kind of scat back but he he was really good at getting first downs in key situations. And I don't know, what do they, do they have like a running back kind of carousel going on there? Yeah. You know, Jarrett McKinnon is, is injured. Obviously they got, uh, um, God, who's the other one? Pacheco. Pacheco, Pacheco is a, and uh, a, Clyde uh, Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. Let, me, let me look at it right here. Actually, we'll show you. Yeah. Pacheco grading out 79.1 according to PFF. So um, Pacheco is as good as they come in the league, man. There's no doubt about it. Um, if they're willing to lean on the run, which they've proven they are here lately, I think the last couple games, at least the last game, Pat Mahomes threw for less than 200 yards too, Jacob. So Andy Reid's just kind of 
focusing on taking what the defense is giving them. They're really, really down in explosive plays. But, you know, you kind of mentioned their defense being top 10. I would actually argue they're even better. I mean, when you look right here, when you talk about opponent points per game, they're third and they're only giving up 16.4 points per game. And then in points per play, they're third as well at 0.27. So um, the last three games, obviously, they've given up a few more points than they have been averaging on the year, 16.4 on the year, 19.7 in the last three on the road. They're giving up 17.4 points per play. So it's going to come down to that defense. Like someone said earlier in the chat, too, man, it's going to be points or, or turnover differential is what's going to decide this game. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, Bleeding Green and Gold said in the chat, ball has to come out quick, period. I completely agree with that. Derek K says, only really concerned about Chris Jones blowing up our game plan. You know, one thing you could say, I kind of feel like Matt LaFleur's done really good about interior defensive line, not letting them blow up the game plan. You know, sometimes they get creative off the edge. Obviously, we screwed the pooch that first uh, matchup there against the Lions, letting Aiden Hutchinson take over, trying to use three rookies to block him. Don't like that game plan. But remember when Aaron Donald came in a few years ago, Elton Jenkins absolutely shut him down, right? So when you're talking about really good interior defensive linemen, I'm not so much concerned about that unless he is playing on the edge a bit. But if he does play on that left side on the edge, I like Zach Tom's chances of holding up too. He's gotten a lot of praise here lately. Uh, let's see, Omer in the chat says, one thing this offense is uh, we're spreading around with all the good receivers, tight ends, that makes uh, playing D tougher with no one they can key in on. Yeah, when you can't really key in on one target, I completely agree, Omer. It makes things uh, very difficult. Badger Trio says, if we somehow win this game, I think playoffs are uh, legit real possibility could not agree more you win this game it's going to take an absolute uh just a, a collapse to not make the playoffs if you're the packers i mean the the momentum the uh, riding that hive of uh of just uh, uh coming off a huge win sunday night national television against the defending super bowl champs going to set the stage for you to finish really strong if they lose this game i think there's a legit possibility they make the playoffs right i don't think anyone should be looking at it as a slam dunk not that you are uh, Mike, over-under on two drops from MVS Sunday night. Yeah. I got to take the over there, Tim. What do you think? Watch him come out and us up, man. <laughs> I, I would say take the over, but um, it depends on how many targets. You know, the, the track record hasn't been great recently for him. So, I don't know. Does he? Let's see how many targets he gets. Um, but, yeah, I'd feel comfortable taking the over for sure. Yeah. One last thing we're going to hit on here, Jacob. I want to get your take on it. Um, you know, when you talk about their defense being so good, we've talked about the tendencies all week just to kind of give you up, keep you up to date. They run man coverage uh, just as much as anyone in the league. They play a lot of man. They play, you know, I think zone like 46% of the time, something like that. I think I've got it right here. Yeah, so they play man 34% of the time. They play zone 48% of the time. When you look at the rankings, uh, that's the second most uh, man coverage that they play in the league. Okay. So they're not, they don't play a whole lot of combo coverage. They either play man or zone. Um, but uh, man, they're right up there at the top and they've got a really good pass rush. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game, but one of the things that Packers have going for them here is Elton Jenkins um, actually has an 86.7 pass blocking grade since week eight. So here of lately, he's starting to get back to old Elton Jenkins form. That's third among all offensive linemen. Um, He's just one of those people, like like he got the brick emoji here, man. He's uh he's an absolute force, a wall up there. Let's hope that he can help Josh Myers out. But again, I see them putting Chris Jones over the right guard, and if that's the case, we're going to talk about Sean Ryan uh, on PTA Live tonight and hear Brian Bulaga talk on him. But uh, the uh, the whole the whole debate there, Sean Ryan, John Runyon, man, it's uh, that worries me. 
putting Chris Jones in a four eye and isolating against our right guard. You worried about that, Jacob? John Runyon Jr. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, 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 bit. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's that, that's one that makes me really scratch my head because that guy just seemed like he was at least going to be a really, really great pass blocking guard. And I, I don't know what's happened to him. It's, it's, it's weird. It's really weird, especially with Tom on the right of him. You wouldn't think that, you know, it's not like he's getting hampered by having a bad tackle. Um, I just don't know what to think about it. And I love his dad. I love the grit. You know, I like all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting year going to the draft because as much, like I think people have kind of already set sail on Myers a long time ago. So I don't know what they're going to try to do to maybe try to replace him. But I just, I hate the fact that we have to think about replacing running because I just was so high on him right away. And, but it just seems like he's kind of left us no choice, but to try to look for some sort of replacement there. Um, yeah. And yeah, Jones scares me. But if you look at that, the rest of those guys on that defense, I, I do like, is that Leo Chanel, the old badger up there? Oh yeah. Having a heck of a year, man. Been, I was, I was, I was hoping that he was going to finally, you know, shake the dust off and show people. Um, and then of course they got McDuffie out there, but I, I don't know, man, the defense doesn't scare me. Bolton's not playing, correct? Um, let's go back to it. I'm not, I'm not 100 sure. I think he was out. There was one that was listed out. Let's see. Uh, yep. Bolton. Yeah, yeah, he's out for sure. So, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Any given Sunday, you know that whole spiel. But I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not nervous about it. I don't know why. I am a little bit nervous about Rasheed Rice. That's one guy where it's like, like yeah. you know, Lombardi talked about it. You know, he's that guy can put it together. He can. He's got all the tools. Yeah, and the the real matchup where they like to play him in the slot, Keyshawn Nixon on, Rash, on Rasheed Rice, that worries me, man. You almost you, look, you can't bracket on both. You you're, if you're going to go the bracket route, you bracket Kelsey probably over Rasheed Rice. I think the the answer is the one no one wants to hear, which is the Joe Barry philosophy of two on the shelf, keep everything in front of you, bend but don't break. They're going to get a lot of yards. They're going to convert a lot of third downs. Squeeze them tight when they get in the uh, in the red zone and uh, continue on with that top 10 red zone defense that you got. That's kind of how I see it playing out for sure. Um, yeah, so, uh, Tim, anything you want to add to Elton Jenkins there on that on that right – or on the uh, on the left side there? Again, you can comment on the right guard too, John Runyon, obviously grading out in the 50s, man. Something's got to give there, dude. We'll talk about Sean Ryan during PTA though for sure. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. I'm just happy to see Big E back, you know, back to where we, uh, where we know he can play. We know he's um, – you know, other than Zach Tom, he's probably the best offensive lineman we have, uh, period, regardless of position. Um, and yeah, I think uh, to the to the brief to touch on uh, Sean Ryan here just briefly, you know, whether or not he gets um, out there on the field, I, I, I think we're going to see it. I think we might have to well, this might be the game we see the most snaps, put it this way, I think, um, because JRJ is going to start. But if they're if they're going to put Jones over him, I mean, he's going to be sucking wind and tired pretty quickly um, and bringing in the fresh legs and getting more reps for for Sean Ryan there on the line, who has been doing pretty well uh, when he's been peppered in lately. Um, you know, I, I, I see that happening, um, but I don't know if we're going to see a, a total uh, total breakdown on our line. You know, sometimes, like I said, sometimes when you go up against the best, it can it can pull the best out of you. And I've talked about before this line sometimes kind of playing playing to the level of their opponent. And, um, you know, if we've got Jones out there playing at a high level, that may jolt something loose here on our line. And we might see a little bit of what we saw, you know, similarly against Aiden Hutchinson, 
uh, in the Detroit game. You know, we're going to see guys uh, playing as a team, blocking by committee, uh, maybe more substitutions, some more changes. Um, but hey, let's hope for the best, guys. Um, but having Elton Jenkins back, uh, looking like full strength, big E in full force, that's uh, certainly going to help us out big time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see here. We've got a. Uh... Bleeding green and gold in the chat says, can't we plant a tight end on the right line, on the right of the line, and let Tom chip on Jones as well? If if he plays in a wide five, in a five or seven or a nine tech, yeah. But when he's on that four eye, it's tough. You're going to have to go more of the wing route, right? Um, you could – what I mean by that is sometimes you put Christian Watson back there. I don't think that's the answer, having Christian Watson try to chip on Chris Jones. But – um, if you if you do go to 12 personnel like he likes to do, he being Matt LaFleur, um, happy to Tucker Craft or Ben Sims kind of sit in that wing spot, right? Let Tom fan out and let that that wing spot, which is basically essentially it's going to be uh, on the uh, on the left side from the offensive perspective, just on the left hip of the right tackle. And you can let Tom fan out, let the right guard, whether it's John Runyon or Sean Ryan, kind of get that initial contact, let the wing chip on Chris Jones in that four eye. Right. And that will kind of help with the protection. Now, if you're doing that from the four eye, if he decides to come inside of the guard, right, come all the way across a gap and a half, then that's where Josh Myers has got to be on his A game and ready to help with that double team. So what we're talking about with setting the protections when you play someone like Chris Jones or Aaron Donald, they're going to be the mic. They may not necessarily specifically be the mic, but the whole defense, the whole offense's protection from the offensive line standpoint and even the backs chipping, the tight ends chipping, is going to be geared around let's make sure we get two hats on Chris Jones all game long. Now, if he's over Elton, different story. If they move him to the left, go the Aaron Donald route and go Big E, take care of business right there, dude. Let's see what you got. Go ahead, Jacob. I just was wondering, because you guys probably, I don't know if you've been charting this, but is Myers the one now lately has been setting protections, or has Love kind of taken that over and been more aggressive, and is that – is there a correlation with that and the recent success of love? Does that make sense? There's it's, it's not as cut and dry as we would all want it to be. Give you a couple of different examples. Kurt Benkert commented on and said, seeing Jordan change the protection is rare in this offense because in Matt LaFleur's offense, typically the center's taking care of it. Right. Um, with that being said, we know Aaron corrected Josh Myers all the time. Right. We've, we've, Pretty much that's been confirmed by Josh Myers, by media members asking him, and then also Aaron Rodgers confirming it. So to answer your question, I think what you've got happening is the quarterback can have the final say, but in a perfect world, the center's setting the protection. But we have seen, I know at least on three different occasions, I'm sure it's happened more often, Love stepped up to the line of scrimmage and reset it, and I did the mic. The reason it's important for me, in my opinion, have the quarterback set the mock is so he knows who the free runner is. He's over here dissecting, right? He's dissecting everything. The center sets the mock. What if he didn't catch that? Or if he's thinking of, okay, what's that DB doing? Okay, he's on his heels. He's probably dropping. Got it. That guy's on his toes. He may be firing. That might be the free runner. And you lose sight of, hey, where's the protection? Who's the mock? Who is the free runner? Um, I don't think it's as cut and dry as we want it, but to answer your question, Jacob, to me, it seems like Myers is setting the protection and Love now has the ability to change it, to add to it at the last second. So, And I think him stepping up doing that in the last few weeks, whether it's the last four weeks or however long, I think that has been the difference to answer your question. Um, again, we're not in the meeting room. 
this is all just firing from the hip, kind of wondering from the outside looking in, just like when we're talking about zone match coverage on defense. Unless you're in that meeting room knowing what the exact parameters are within that specific defensive call, it could be a variation of 10 different things, kind of very similar on the offensive line setting and protection. I love listening to Mike Wall talk about it, Brian Bulaga talk about it, Mark Towser talk about it, Kurt Benkert talk about it, Kurt Warner talk about it because those are the guys who have been obviously in the huddle in the building. They know what goes into that. So um, that's kind of how I see it. They answer your question, Jacob. Yep. Cool. I answered your question without giving you an answer. I got you. Um, <laughs> Mike in the chat said, I got a gut feeling Nixon brings kick back to the house. Tim, I would lose my mind, bro. That's what, that's the kind of break you need in a game against Kansas city. You need one of those tutters like that to kind of set the tone and not only that, but just kind of give you that little extra ump. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And in a in a game where the elements could possibly play a role, uh, I'm looking for kicks that are returnable. You know, the depending on what the win factor is, how slick, you know, the environment is. Some of these kicks could be could be left short. And we've seen as of late Keyshawn being way more disciplined back there. You know, we've seen a couple that early in the year he would definitely bring out of the end zone. And I don't know if there were conversations in that in that locker room about that. Um, we know Keyshawn does not like the touchback. He does not like the fair catch. Um, so if any of these kicks, you know, are coming near the goal line or, you know, dropping near the five or the 10 in that area, get ready. They're coming out. And, uh, you know, Keyshawn running with the ball is, uh, is just something to watch, man. You know, the agility that he has, um, you know, it's not like he has this lightning breakaway speed where he's just a speed guy but he's just such a good runner and he has such good field vision. Um, I could see it happening. Maybe that's uh, maybe that lends logic uh, or lends some um, credibility to the logic that if we win the toss, take that, take that ball. Let's take that opening kick, give Keyshawn a chance to put us up seven, nothing right out of the gate. Um, that would be interesting, but yeah, I could see it. Hey, we're due, right? We're due for a Keyshawn tutter on a, on a kick return. So I'm all for it. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Paul Robertson in the chat said, how do you stop Pacheco? And then he went on and said uh, lots of play action from the Chiefs. Um, you got to pick your poison, man. You you know, I, I know and not, I'm not saying you're saying this, Paul. I know many fans on Twitter, they like to pretend like, oh, it's just as easy as, well, let's stop on both. You know, you got to you got to pick one or the other. Now, as far as play action, uh, Kansas City is actually only running play action 23 percent of the time. That's ranked 20th in the league. However, their EPA ranking, the success they have when they run play action is seventh. Now, when you talk about their different type of run uh, run schemes, they run gap run 29% of the time. They run zone run 71% of the time. So they run zone ele- the 11th most in the league, but their EPA ranking is only 22nd. So when they're in zone, you know, think of this too, the Packers, everything about their offense has been geared around building an offense around zone run, right? So if there's any team that's practiced that the most, it's the Packers. The gap stuff is what I feel like really gives them problems. So uh, with that being said, play action. The thing that strikes me as odd about Kansas City is they like to play a lot of 13 personnel, and they like to pass out of it. So when you pass out of 13 personnel, what's going to be the defensive call for the Packers? Probably going to be a 34 jam-loaded box would be my, uh, my, my guess. I don't think they will go to a 5-2 look against 13 because Kansas City likes to pass out of that 13 so much. It's so rare you get a team that plays that much 13. Uh, and they play 13 out of the gun, which is really, really wild when you think about it. So because sometimes when you think of 13, you think big eye, that type of look. That's not what Kansas City does. So 
with that being said, I think we're ready to wrap this big bear up. We went over. I was going to try to keep it to 45 minutes. We're at an hour and four. Let's go around the horn. Look at Tim grinning like a possum in a dumpster. He knows it's never going to happen. Tim, we got one. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, can't shut us up, right? We love talking ball. Um, and it's awesome to have Jacob back in the mix, man. This is so yeah. cool to be on with you guys. Uh, going into a, the biggest game of the year, right? Last week was the biggest game of the year. Well, it's a new week. It's This is the biggest game of the year for us right now. And, uh, you know, we got to show up and show out, take care of home. I've been saying it all year, protect 1265. Let's go. We have to respect this opponent, but not fear them, right? We always talk about this. I mean, they're beatable, right? I agree. Jacob said it, man. They're, this team's beatable. There's no reason we can't win this game. Um, but you have to have a healthy respect for the uh, defending Super Bowl champs coming in your building. Um, but we're not going to lay down by any means. And uh, it's going to take all hands on deck. Everybody's got to execute. I hope we're tuned up and ready to go and uh, looking forward uh, to the game tomorrow night. Got it. Jacob, what you got, big dog? Yeah, man. Um, I just started thinking in the last day or so about if we were to go on some sort of like magical 2010 type run, what positions and what players would maybe need to all of a sudden come out of their shell and just all of a sudden make the difference. And I'm right away. I started thinking about guys like Carl Brooks, if it's, if it's at like a random linebacker that starts playing unbelievable ball, if it's one of our, our, our safeties are all of a sudden starts being shut down on our offensive side. It's like, if love keeps his progression going, if Wicks takes a step or if Watson shakes off the dust and comes out and what if he wants on another run where like he scores seven touchdowns in three games, or whatever it is, you know, he did that last year. If you remember that, um, yep. so I'm just, I'm excited, man. This, this team really feels like that they are starting to shake the dust off and really get cohesive. and. Um, I think that they're if they can put back to back major wins where they were the clear underdogs and really make I mean on a, on a national stage I just I can't think that there's anything more of a confidence builder going into a potential playoff run and I'm just here for it man I'm excited I'm not stressing anymore like Ryan said a yeah. few weeks ago on his podcast like I don't care like if we lose, we lose. It is what it is. I'm not going to, I say that and I still scream at the TV at the top of my lungs. <laughs> right now, I'm not sweating. I'm, I'm chilling. I'm good. No, man. Look, we, we said it going into the year six to 10 wins, right? We're right there in that ballpark. Um, we're playing with the house's money. Everyone expected them to finish dead last in the North. That's what the Vegas odds suggested. Yep. Um, you know, this whole, this whole year should be stress free, right? The, the biggest issue we ran into is they showed some promise early against the Bears, and it's like, hold up, all right, they ain't going to miss a beat, and then you hit that slump, right? And, and that's where we all got to check ourselves, no doubt about it. But, yeah, man, um, it should be it should be stress-free watching this game. Nobody's expecting them to beat the Chiefs. Six-point underdogs, you kidding me? You know, if they come out, it's just like Detroit. If they, you know, they come out and beat the Chiefs like they did Detroit on Thanksgiving, you're exuberant. If they lose, it's, eh, you know, you kind of seen that one coming, right? But uh, I love Tim's uh, – uh, I don't know. I love his positivity saying, hey, we're going to go in there and get a dub uh, Sunday night in Lambeau Field. I'm all about it, man, for sure. Um, but I uh, really appreciate everybody hanging out with us. We had a bunch more we wanted to get to, but we went over. Jacob, it's so good to have you back, man. Really appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, obviously, I'm going to make sure you got the link every time. I know you've had a lot of stuff going on, so just understand, don't feel obligated, but you are welcome to any and everything we do when we go live for sure, man. The show is so much better with you on it, bro. I know you're sitting there going, shut up, Clayton. I don't like feeling, I don't like the way I'm feeling right now, but I just want you to know uh, you mean the world to us, dude. And uh, that's why I'm trying not to look at the camera as I tell you. So appreciate everybody in the chat. 
You guys are absolutely awesome. Uh, Nick McSwain, thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. We appreciate you supporting the stream. We'll be back for PTA Live, Packers Total, Total Access Live at 7 p.m. Central tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.